You're listening to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today is an encore episode with Natasha Metzler. She's sharing how pain can have a new future. Yeah, redemption is kind of like a rebirth. It's not taking away what was in the past, but it's giving a new future to it. Mm. And so that was just life-changing for me to realize Mm. that I can't ever change the fact, like all the years that I've spent in infertility, even Mm. if I had a a child next year, it's not gonna take away the pain of the years that I've had. Mm. Um, But at the same time, I can give all of that pain over to God and his promises that he will do something with it. That it's not going to be wasted years or wasted time. Pain is inevitable. Uh, I'm recording this the day after we just had um, a horrible situation in Dallas where a lot of pain is surfacing, a lot of hurts, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred, a lot of sadness. And we can't I can't go back and make it better, uh, but I can pray for redemption in all of those painful, hurt places. I can pray for a new future for that pain, and that's why I really wanted to re-release this episode. I feel like Natasha had a lot of great wisdom in regards to the topic of infertility and the topic of depression and the topic of how God knows pain. And it's, he grieves just like we grieve, but he promises to bring life out of death. He promises to give that past and that presence a new future. And there's hope when we go to God with any hard thing that we're going through right now. I know in the last week I've had, um, people from our church, uh, their son passed away from a drowning accident. Um, I have a friend who's dad has stage four cancer and she's with him in the hospital another friend whose son had major heart surgery and then all of just the chaos that's gone on in Dallas and the thing that keeps me tethered and centered is the truth that there is hope and when God makes a promise he cannot lie God cannot lie if he has said something in his word it will happen and if he promises good things and if he promises a hope and a future he will give that to us, and that's where we, um, that's where we, that's where we look forward and not back, and we don't um, do more evil for the evil that is done in our world. I want to take a second and thank our wonderful sponsor, Connected Families. If you haven't gone and checked out their sibling conflict course, please, please do. I've been going through it. There's five sessions. You can go through it at your own pace. For those of you who've done their other courses, you know what I'm talking about. You can watch a video here, watch a video there. Uh, Session three, I think, is super helpful in getting our kids to build understanding. When we're talking about conflict resolution, the conflicts that are going on all around us every day, um, with the peace process that Jim and Lynn teach us, there's getting calm and then there's understanding. And if we truly grasp this concept and can have connection in any conflict, that's huge and it's worth whatever money we spend to learn more about it. So definitely go check it out at godcentermom.com backslash siblings. And I'm excited for this episode and I really want you to stick around for the end because I can't wait to share some awesome stuff God did in the Metzler family since I first talked to Natasha. Super, super cool. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go.
I would love if you would share with our listeners kind of your journey and um, what God has been teaching you. Oh, where to start? Where to start with that? That's kind of broad. What has God taught you in your whole life? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. No, a a large part of my story that I've been sharing um, has to do with facing infertility. Um, My husband and I have been married for about seven years, and I actually found out that I was going to struggle having children when I was about 19. But at the time, I thought, oh, like that might be somewhere in my future, but I thought I could handle it because I wasn't actually facing it right then Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was still single and, you know, had a lot of different things I wanted to do. But once I got married, it, um, it really just caused a spiritual crisis in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I really felt like, yeah, being a mother seemed like a really noble desire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong (laughs) with that. Right. Right. Exactly. So it it seemed like, why wouldn't God give that to me? Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, after we got married, I really had a hard time and I ended up, some of it was physical. Uh, My body had a lot of physical issues that were coming out more, but also just emotionally and spiritually, I really just dipped into a terrible depression. And I didn't know that's what it was (laughs) at the time, but um, my mom actually came and visited me one day and was the first one to say, you know, Tasha, you're really depressed. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like eye-opening for me to realize that I was facing something that had a name. Yeah. But, um, so how long into your marriage did y'all start the quote unquote trying? Um, pretty much from day one. Okay. <laughs> I really, really wanted children. And my husband was, um, is 10 years older than me. So he was already in his thirties by the time we got married. And so it just felt like, yeah, we'll just start right away. And hopefully at some point, you know, cause I knew it might be hard to get pregnant, but because of what I'd been diagnosed with before, but I didn't expect not to be able to be. I don't, I don't know why I didn't expect it, but like I said, I just thought it seemed like a noble desire. So it didn't. You're like, well, if yeah. God, if God wants us to be, you know, every, uh, this line I know has hurt a lot of my friends that have struggled with infertility, but the whole fruitful and multiply line, right? you would think, well, if that's God's desire, like you're saying, right. doesn't God want, and he, and he knows my heart's desire. Right. So exactly. why is there a mismatch in what the, my reality is? So, um, so you get married, how old were you when you got married? 23. 23. So were your friends also getting married and starting down this path of motherhood? Yes. Um, most of them were already. So yeah, Yeah. there was, um, many of my friends were married and in the midst of having children. And so, yeah, it was quite, quite difficult to face. And, and part of it too was, I knew that like when you read scripture, there was different different women that faced infertility, but it always ended up being, it seemed to me like if they prayed hard enough or sought the Lord enough, then God somehow answered them. Mm. Um, Which I know looking back, of course, there were many years that were involved in there. It wasn't like, you know, next year, then God answered them. Some of them had whole lifetimes in there. (laughs) Um, But But a lot of people will use the example of Hannah, like Yes. Like Hannah prayed and she offered her son up to God and he answered that prayer. So if you just do that. Exactly. Exactly. So that was um, part of what felt really hard mm-hmm. was I really did call out to God and asked him to meet me there. Um, and it felt like he was silent. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think a lot of the the spiritual depression that I was dealing with mm-hmm. came from, like just feeling like there was no answer and 
that God didn't care somehow. And around that time, my husband and I were asked to go live in Haiti. Um, our church has a mission down there. There's a mission hospital, but they, my husband's actually a mechanic and they needed a mechanic down there to rebuild some engines. And so we went down for a year and that trip ended up being, I thought it was because they needed my husband's help down there, but it was actually because the Lord really needed to get me away from normal life, I think, and, um, really get my attention. Yeah. So we went down and at that point I had found out some more of my physical issues I was dealing with and felt like I should fast um, to help my body just straighten out, (laughs) basically. So I ended up fasting and and it worked. My body did a lot better. Um, In my book, actually, I talk about waking up one morning and realizing it felt like my body had righted itself, like Mm -hmm. I'm awake for the first time feeling good. and but, what's the name of your book? I didn't even know you had a book. Okay. We're all we're just like is, new friends here. Okay, so what's your book? My book is called Pain Redeemed. Okay. And um, it's basically the, this story of, of how God met me uh, as I battled infertility. So basically my body, like the physical depression lifted um, mm-hmm. after I had fasted, which was really wonderful. But it also opened my eyes to realize that emotionally and spiritually, I was not doing well. And that had kind of been masked by the physical issues that I was dealing with. Mm. And so I really didn't know what to do. I remember almost feeling afraid one day, realizing I was upset at God. And that scared me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I know who God is. I grew up knowing, it, knowing him. And I also always wanted to serve him. And so yeah, just feeling like, oh, now I'm mad at him. Wait, how does that work? Like, are we? Is and, that okay? Like, am I allowed to be mad exactly. at God? I don't know. Am I not a Christian <laughs> exactly. now? Right, yeah. right. So, um, I ended up feeling like the only thing I could think to do, and this this is really thanks to having very godly parents who taught me well. But when I had no idea what to do, I went to like, um, like just the beginning, and I opened my Bible to Genesis, and I just started reading. Mm. And I ended up reading through the Bible in 28 days, which wow. is crazy. That <laughs> but is I was crazy. living in a foreign country where, you know, I didn't have, I didn't speak the language yet. So I didn't have a lot of people to talk to. So I had more time on my hands. That's what I always tell people when they're like, I don't know if I could do that. I'm like, you don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> well, we kind but, of forget that the Bible's a book, right? Yeah. Like yep. it's kind, it kind of is a book. I mean, yes. it's, it's a book. And so, but we view it as like, what other book do we just hop in and read like a sentence and then hop out? Exactly. You know, like exactly. we, we kind of forget that it's like a whole story and there's a beginning and a middle and an end. And we, um, oh, exactly. we don't want to deal with the, the chapters that are leading to something. We just want to yep. hit the high point chapters. It, it's like reading a murder mystery and like <laughs> only reading yeah, parts of it. To this part. yeah, yeah. Not that the Bible's a murder mystery. Don't misquote me there. <laughs> Okay, so you read the Bible in 28 days, which I've heard is really powerful. I mean, it's a different experience than when you're really studying. Like, you are it's getting the different. overall yeah. story. It, it is very different. It gives you just this broad view. Um, but one of the things for me, because I had gone through that that period of depression, I basically needed to relearn who God was. Because hmm. um, my my fears and my anger had to do with feeling like God hadn't held up His end of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and so going back to the basics and relearning who He was helped me be able to to see Him, to see where He was in my life and with everything that was happening. Um. So yeah, I read through and 
started realizing, and, and I share, there's a whole chapter in my book de devoted to this read-through of the Bible because it was really powerful. Uh, I got into like the, the minor prophets and God is just constantly crying out to Israel to come back to him. And it hit me because of everything I was dealing with that God was in pain because mm. I recognized those words because they were the same things that I felt like I was crying all the time. Mm. <laughs> like just that, that agony of, of dealing with something um, and that God understands that he really knows pain. And that was life changing for me because it felt like before God must not understand what I'm going through because if he did, he'd do something about it. Mm. And I realized that he does know, he knows very well, um, but he also is not afraid of pain the way that I am. I mm. fear it because I don't want anything to hurt me. And God does not fear pain. In fact, he purposely walked into painful situations. You know, he sent his son into this world on purpose, knowing mm. it was going to be painful. Mm. Um, so pain was not as, yeah. I don't know how to explain other than that, except for it no, wasn't. No, I think I'm right. I'm being quiet because I'm writing every word you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a really huge thing for anyone going through a season of pain, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional, mm -hmm. that to view it in that way that to from the minor prophets even. I mean, I don't think a lot of people go there mm -hmm. um, for that, but the grieving that God did over, yes. over Israel, I think that's huge. That's great. It was, and it was very much, um, well, one of the things then that the Lord began showing me, because in all of those, the, the minor prophets where he talks about that grieving, there's always a taste, like after he finishes, sometimes it's lamenting, sometimes he's angry even when he's saying it, which was also good for me to hear and read, like that my anger was not something that was shocking God or making me not a Christian or anything like well, that. Well, it's not like the, it's not like as the goal as a Christian is to get rid of anger, right? That is a exactly. legitimate emotion. It's how exactly. you use it, right? To not Absolutely. solve, solve the problems, but to identify there right. is a problem. Exactly. So, and then, but every time God would bring it back to this, this promise that he kept coming back to. And, you know, he would be angry with Israel saying, you know, you're doing this, you need to come back to me. But it was always come back to me so that I can heal you so you can live. And that really caught me. And for some reason, um, the word redemption kept cropping up as I read through scripture, you know, it just kept coming back. And sometimes it may not be translated that word, but that same meaning of, of God taking something and bringing life out of death, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that promise, in fact, in, in Psalm 130, there was a verse that I have really claimed, and this was kind of the basis of where my book even came from. But um, in verse 7, he says, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Mm. And I started just meditating on this word redemption and what that even meant, and realized that when I look at pain and I, and I call out to God, um, to meet me in it, I'm what I'm asking him most times is that God would just absolve the pain and make it go away mm, because right. I'm afraid of it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's not what God promises. In fact, He never promises that until His His return. You know, in, the, in Revelation, there's the promise of there being no more tears and no more pain and all of that. But that is when Christ returns for this period on earth. He doesn't promise that pain's going to go away, mm. but he does promise to redeem it. And I started looking at the differences between those and how he 
yeah, redemption is kind of like a rebirth. It's not taking away what was in the past, but it's giving a new future to it. Mm. And so that was just life changing for me to realize mm. that I can't ever change the fact, like all the years that I've spent in infertility, even mm. if I had a, had a child next year, it's not going to take away the pain of the years that I've had. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I can give all of that pain over to God and his promises that he will do something with it. That oh, is wow. not going to be wasted years or wasted time. And that, yeah, that has been one of the neatest things for me um, to watch and see. And it kind of changed it from feeling like God had abandoned me to giving me this anticipation to see like, okay, I went through this really hard thing. So, okay, God, what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to use it in people's lives? Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing to see stories that have come out of this, the different people who have um, been touched because of the pain that I've gone through. And it's just, it's, it's such a neat part about who God is that he does this. <laughs> I get really excited about it. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I wrote that down that, that the promise isn't to take it away, but to give it a new future that whatever you've gone through, that is exactly it. I've talked to friends all, you know, who've gone through all sorts of various hard things, whether it's related to infertility or it's just, you know, lost parents or lost jobs or whatever it is, yeah. it is just yuck about this broken place that, mm -hmm. um, that, 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 that is, that it is not the past and the present. They can have a new future. That's, that's a, Absolutely. that's a huge promise of hope for yeah. anyone, yeah. wherever they are. Well, and that has been one of the really neat things. When I first started writing my book, um, I was going to write it just to people who had dealt with infertility. And it was actually Trina Holden who said, Tasha, I've never dealt with infertility, but I need this story. And so I kind of revamped it and realized that every type of pain, you know, you don't have to go through infertility to to have your pain redeemed. Anything that's difficult or hard, like you, you listed all those different things, just losing a job can be a huge painful thing in your life. And mm -hmm. to be able to look at it with anticipation of how God is going to use it and how he's going to bring redemption out of it. Um, yeah, it just changes how you view it. And it's, it's exciting instead of um, debilitating, basically. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, even having talked to Francie Winslow and talking about, you know, our our, our past hurts mm -hmm. of, you know, like you said, even if, even if it all turns out right. So let's say you had parents that were abusive or a childhood that wasn't what you'd like, but it turns mm -hmm. out all right. You're married now. You have a good family to realize mm -hmm. that pain is still there and to right. really take it to God and say, God, you know, what can you do to help me heal from this and to give me freedom? Cause it might still be kind of holding you back in a way. Um, right. Right. To find freedom. I think this this is a really great, great message. So where are you now? Um, how many, first of all, how many years ago was it that you went to Haiti? Um, that was about five years ago. Okay. So um, right now we are, we're back in the United States. We've been, been here. Okay. And I have been writing. Yeah. <laughs> we live up in Northern New York. So we live in, in snow country up here. So um, we kind of get, clustered in for the winter. So every winter I spend a lot of time writing and, um, I've written two books now. My first was, was pain redeemed. And then I actually wrote a humor book because we live on a farm and my second book was about farming. <laughs> okay. So how are you emotionally and like spiritually, like 
do you feel, I mean, I know you've had to write about it and you read mm-hmm. the Bible all the way through. What was your next step? What do you feel, you know, with well, the writing, I, like your, your therapy, like to help it you get It really out of was in a lot of ways. It really was. And since, since writing my book, I've, um, that opened a lot of doors for a lot of different women to contact me. And I've gone speaking different places. I spoke at a couple of retreats last year and just, yeah, talking about it and encouraging others, um, that are journeying in the middle of it has really been therapeutic for me. I'm kind of a teacher by nature. And so (laughs) that makes it when I teach things, it ingrains it more in me. So that has been really good for me. And spiritually, I feel like, while even the, the farming book was really healing for me because I, during the time where I was really battling depression, um, I struggled. Like sometimes I would try to be funny and it came out really cynical and (laughs) really not funny at all. And so being able to look back and see that even in the middle of all this still, I was able to write something that was humorous and uplifting. Um, that, and that in itself showed what God has been doing in my life and in my heart. So that was a, another part of the healing process, I think. And did you have any friends or do you have any friends that have walked like a similar path with you of infertility? Or do you feel, was that part of the hardness? Well, I it felt very alone. Um, it, it felt very alone in some ways. I, there are a few people I actually shared some other stories in my book besides my own. Um, a few people have walked through similar things. All of them have children right now. Mm. And so that was, they were a little bit ahead of me. Mm. Um, one of my closest friends that went through years and years of infertility, um, actually has four daughters now. (laughs) So there was, there was already, um, there were people that understood, but were in a different place. And so that did make, um, the aloneness something that I had to deal with. But I actually, one of the stories that I share in my book and I'll really quick share a little bit of it was, um, I have a friend named Rachel who, got married about the same time I did and they had a child right away and then she got pregnant again. And in that pregnancy, she was in her eighth month of pregnancy and the baby died. Mm. And it was just this heart wrenching thing. And it was so, it was completely different than what I was dealing with. She had a child at home. It wasn't, it wasn't the same, but it was very eye opening for me. That was after we'd gotten back from Haiti. And I realized then um, how pain affects us all the same, no matter where, like what the source of the pain is. Mm. And so her story of how, um, how God has been using that circumstance and that pain in her life is in part of the book. And one of the things was realizing that I don't have to be alone, even if there's no one around me that's dealing with the same thing. Um, Rachel and I have been able to be a comfort to each other and to encourage each other, even though our walks look very different. And so that was, um, yeah, another part of the whole journey, learning to be able to connect with people, even if, even if it's a different type of pain that they're dealing with. I think that's really helpful, a really helpful mm-hmm. message. If anyone's listening, um, who is in a place of pain and they feel like nobody gets it, like no one is going mm-hmm. through this. I am all alone to still share with someone because that may mm-hmm. connect to something that yes. they haven't shared, a pain that they're feeling and, um, that there's value in being vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and that, you know, now with Absolutely. you going through a season of depression and your mom was the one who kind of highlighted mm-hmm. it to you. Um, are you kind of an outgoing person by, 
nature. And so, um, you know, was a depressed version of you still a pretty outgoing person or? I am a very, um, I don't know if I'm too outgoing, but I'm very confident usually. Mm-hmm. And I'm quieter sometimes, but but usually very confident. And when I was going through depression, I was just not confident at all. (laughs) Um, I cried a lot and I don't usually cry. I would, yeah, not be able to handle groups of people. There were just different things that, that really stuck out. I felt very different than, than who I was. And I would, I would think about it and think I'm not being me. And then that would make me cry more. So (laughs) it was very weepy. Yeah. Yeah. And my poor husband, you have to remember, too, we had just gotten married when I started dealing with this. So he went from having this completely confident fiance who was just, you know, like right beside him. And we were excited about life to just being a crying mess all the time. And I remember him telling me at one point, like, I'm sorry that getting married, like, ruined you. And I knew that was another thing that kind of made me recognize, like, I knew I was happy in my marriage. It Mm -hmm. wasn't that at all. It was something else. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah, my mom just recognized that. And, of course, she knew me my whole life, so it was easier for her. My husband just felt like it was him. And my mom was able to see, like, no, something was really wrong. (laughs) Something was wrong. Yeah. You know, I often ask people on the podcast, how how are you – how do you – stay God-centered in your day-to-day. So you read through the Bible in 28 days, but then, you know, did what, what was your next step to, like, keep remembering that God will redeem? You're seeing redemption through these relationships God's brought to you through the book, and you're seeing that, mm-hmm. but there's still the reality that you're still struggling, yeah. that, that, that you yeah. get invited to one more baby shower, that you, you know, yeah. it keeps coming up, and how are you staying centered in God so that you stay in a place you're trusting and not fall back into for me it really has to do with how much I'm reading the word Um, when I start really struggling I see right away that I have not been reading my Bible enough I have not been um, seeking seeking God's presence in my life Uh, so what does that look like for you like when when do you read and do you do like a study or I don't often do many studies. I get bored with them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I start many. I don't usually finish them. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I really love um, researching. I have I have a few good friends. Actually, one of my closest friends was a girl that I mentored when she was younger and kind of didn't realize uh, a neat thing about mentoring younger believers is that they grow up. And then they become your friends. So, yeah. yeah. Um, my friend Megan was, um, yeah, when she was about 15, I started mentoring her. And then all of a sudden she was not that far behind me and really has been an encouragement to me. And we keep each other accountable. She sends me, you know, she's studying in the Bible and she found, you know, this Greek word that keeps cropping up all over. Um, she'll send it to me and say, you got to look this up. And so then I'll end up doing a study on it and just things like that. I have a few friends actually that have, it's a similar relationship where we'll send each other things like this is ministered to me. Um, you should look into it and see if the Lord will use it in your life. So you so, just like pick a book and you just say, I'm going to study this book or like in that case, I'm going to study this word. I mean, Sometimes been, I, like I'm out of BSF now <laughs> and I'm going into the summer and I, I'm so used to like a study that mm-hmm. I, I ended up, you know, just in Ecclesiastes today. What? And so yeah. 
I'm just reading through it, but I, you know, I think yeah. everyone has a different process. So yeah. So yeah. you're just picking. Well, I, I often have, um, I often stick with a, a certain word will, will catch me. For example, there's a Hebrew word, um, yada, which was the last thing I wrote about on my blog. This word has come back and I've been kind of studying it off and on for a couple years now. Um, but it's all through the old Testament and it's, the word that's translated to know God, mm. um, but it actually means to know and be known by God. So it's mm. like a two-way street. <laughs> and the Lord has used that word a lot in my life. Um, and so different times, if I don't have anywhere else to go, I'll look it up. I'll look up um, know in my concordance or something like that and start going through the different verses that use this same word. Um so that's one way that I do it. We also are part of um, a Bible study that we go through. Let's see. We have two books of the Bible that we're usually going through, and usually Old Testament and then a New Testament one um, for our Bible study. We meet two nights a week. And so that has been really helpful the past. It's been about two years, I guess, that we've been meeting. You and meet two nights been, a week? We do. Girl. <laughs> we do. <laughs> the same group of, it's all women or it's a small group? Um, nope. It's, it's um, several families. Um, in our church that, and actually my husband and I had wanted to be part of a Bible study for a while, but it always was men or women usually. Yeah. And yeah. this group got talking, a bunch of us that were just in Sunday school together. And we got talking about how we'd love to be able to meet together with like a husband and a wife so we could be studying the same things. And so we started getting together and at first it was one night a week and then we wanted more. So we started meeting two nights a week. So that's wow. been going for a while and it's been, that's been really neat and encouraging. So if I don't have anything else, I'll go back to whatever book um, we're looking at and just look at it a little more, study it more and get ideas to share for the next Bible study. <laughs> Girl. Yeah. Well, that, there you have it right there. An Old Testament and a New Testament you're studying at the same time and you have two. That's a lot. That it is, is a lot. lot. It is. Um, it has been, it's such a place of relaxation. And sometimes, I mean, we, we're not going through any studies. We're just opening the Bible and reading together and talking about what pops out to us. Um, some weeks we don't even get to reading the Bible. Sometimes we end up praying the whole time. So yeah. It, well, that sounds good relaxed, to me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Well, thank you, Natasha, for being on the show today and for just sharing your story. And I, I just know someone, lots of people are going to connect with um, what you're sharing and just get, have a lot of hope um, that God will redeem whatever mm -hmm. they're going through. Um, wow. So thank you so much, so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So for those of you who are in a hard place and you feel like God has not held up his end of the deal, uh, maybe you've been just been inspired by Natasha to be more in his word and to relearn who he is and to understand what God is about. Uh, okay, if you've been waiting to hear what's been going on with Natasha. Um, so after we recorded this, she and her husband actually adopted a little girl from Guatemala who is eight years old. And the crazy part of the story, uh, I will put a link in the show notes to Natasha's writing about it. Uh, years before, actually eight years before, they had... She had gone in and met 
her nieces, twin nieces, and she was holding them in her arms and just grieving the fact that that this wasn't happening for her. And she meets her new daughter that she's adopted, and here's her birthday, and it is that exact day that she was sitting in that hospital holding those twins, grieving, in that exact moment when she surrendered and said, God, I don't like where I am, but I trust your plan. And she didn't know in another country, far away, a little girl was being born that would one day be her daughter. Um, Fast forward, that was May of 29th, 2014, um, was when they adopted that little girl. And then, uh, sadly, that December, um, a child that they were planning to adopt um, died in utero. And so Natasha writes online about that process and the pain that went along with that piece of their journey. And then this year, they actually adopted a boy. And uh, more details of that are on her site. And I just want to encourage you that no matter what your circumstances look like right now, no matter how hard they are, how hopeless they feel, to lean in to who God is, to read his word, to believe his promises, to find your centering and your security in that, so that when that pain gets a new future, you can celebrate. You can celebrate those promises coming true. And in the meantime, you can hold tight to the God who loves you, who the, to the God who knows your pain, to the God who longs to redeem all things. All right, thanks y'all for listening. I hope you have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.